The lights of the city shine bright, red and green. But sometimes the season is not what it seems. In heartache or joy, let me rest in your care. Be near me, Lord Jesus. This is my Christmas prayer. The wise men brought treasures. The shepherds bowed down. The angels were singing their glorious sound. I have no great riches, no gift to impart. What can I give you, Lord? I will give my heart. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to stay close by me forever. I pray through the storm, through the night. Hold me close, be my light, show the way. Bless all of your children. We need your embrace. We hunger for mercy and long for your grace. Our grateful devotion. Is all we can bring. We praise you, we bless you, Jesus, our Savior and King. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to stay close by me forever. I pray through the storm. The night, hold me close, be my light. Through the storm, through the night, hold me close, be my light. Great is the gift, just to know you are there. Be near me, Lord Jesus. Be near me, Lord Jesus. This is my Christmas prayer. So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space here in West Limit 102, coming from our Come and See studio here in Ada. That was, of course, Come Lord Jesus Come, uh, sang by Richard Coots. 
That's something to start us off this morning. Nice and early. They kept the boys a little bit quiet here now. Although Shane was doing a little bit of bopping around there, but anyway. I will just welcome everybody into the studio first of all. First of all, <coughs> am I right inside? Shane Ambrose, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, John. Um, how are we this morning, John? I just listen to Shane there now at the moment, lads. You wouldn't believe it, but he's, he's, his face is stuffed with mince pies or whatever, whatever <laughs> Anna's given him this morning. <laughs> this is very good to him this morning. Good morning to Shane. Thanks for joining us. Lorraine Buckley, how are you? Good morning to you. Good morning, John. I'm very well. For future reference listeners, that's Shane's type of music down to a T, what we just listened to coming <laughs> in this morning. Whether Shane likes it or not. <laughs> The rest of us loved it. Thanks a lot. And anyway, Anne, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, John. Happy Christmas to all the listeners. Happy, happy Christmas to you, Annie. Lovely to have you on the programme. And of course, to welcome all those people, especially those who are lonely and housebound uh, at home. I know we missed. No, I know we we do mention you every week, but we believe uh, uh, that, that that you are out there listening to us each um, each day, each week, should I say? Um, we speak to you often as we travel around West Limerick and travel around Newcastle West. And it's good that you're tuning in and it's good that you enjoy the programme, you enjoy the music, and you enjoy some of the reflections, especially some of Shane's Saints for the Week. This is <laughs> so enlightening from time to time, but that'll, that'll be just in a few minutes. But in the meantime, just to advise listeners again, um, this programme is repeated again at 11pm tonight here in West Limerick 102. And a podcast of this and previous programmes are available on our blog which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. That's www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And also by tuning into Come and See Inspirations on iTunes. You can contact us at all, uh, as usual, on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. And you can text us. Yes, the text does work. Try it. 87 That's 87 Six zero eight eight six six seven. Maybe a special request for people. Maybe starting after New Year. Maybe give us a text in as to as, your, as to your music choice, or maybe your favourite saint for the year that Shane has reminded us of every week. Whatever it is, but text us oh eight seven six zero eight eight six six seven. Just before I let Shane loose on the saints for the week, just to let people know in two days' time, of course, we got Christmas Day. We celebrate Christmas Day, and West Limit one or two have kindly given us two hours. Uh, to be able to broadcast Sacred Space again on, Christ- uh, on Christmas Day. This year, it's an earlier time that we've been slotted into. It's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. That's 9 a.m. in the morning to 11 a.m. on Christmas morning. And repeated again at 11 p.m. to 1 p.m. 11 p.m. Tonight, 11 p.m. Christmas night to 1 a.m. in the morning. I'll remind you about that later on. But in the meantime, Shane is going to share some saints for the week for us. Thanks, Shane. Thank you, John. So, uh, as John said, today is the 23rd of December. So it is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We are still in the Advent period, folks. Um, now, um, as John, as we have introduced on the programme, as we need to have you know, safe spaces and we don't want to trigger anything in anybody, I now have to give the usual uh, Saints um, bloodbath warning before I go into the Saints for this week's programme. <laughs> you do have a way of explaining yourself, Shane, but anyway, we get well, a message. <laughs> well, yes, well, the Saints for the coming week are um, taken from the martyrology of the Church. They are the mar- early, mar- a lot of them are the early martyrs of the Church. So, um, it is, as John said, it is the 23rd, so today, of course, today of course is the fourth Sunday of Advent for those praying the Psalter we are on week four so Monday of course tomorrow is of course Christmas Eve 
Uh, no, it does have a saint, and I think actually it's Adam. Uh, but we won't we won't stress too much on that one. But it's mainly Christmas Eve for those. Mm-hmm. And of course, in liturgical time, Christmas Eve begins with sunset and the first verse vespers of the solemnity of the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is around sunset um, on, on on Christmas Eve itself. Obviously, of course, then Monday uh, or sorry Tuesday <coughs> is. Uh, the is Christmas Day. It's the Nativity of Our Lord, and it's it's solemnity. Um, so I don't think that needs much more to be said in relation to that one. Uh, for those reading the Psalter, of course, it's proper for the day. Then on Wednesday, then we begin, John. What is uh, or what we will be into? What is called the octave of Christmas. Now I love this. I love this idea of of octaves in the church's calendar. An octave is eight days, and basically, what happens liturgically in, in eight days is the church stops time. Um, because okay. and we only have two octaves left in in the calendar. There used to be a lot more. There's the octave of Christmas and there's the octave of Easter. And basically, the idea is the church liturgically stops time because they're celebrating and they want to extend the celebration. So what that means is, if you go to mass during the octave after Christmas Day for the eight days after, the parts of the mass that change, like the the preface, the collect, they'll all be the the, the, the prayers from Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So that you'll, you'll be hearing them again and again. Okay. For those of us that pray the office. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a time loop <laughs> because you're doing the exact same prayers <laughs> for morning prayer in particular, uh, morning prayer and parts of the office of, of 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 readings. But then for the for the saints, we get we get evening prayer of the saints, which are proper to the saints. So, but anyway, on Wednesday. We have St. Stephen, first martyr. Of course, it is St. Stephen's Day here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, St. Stephen was the first Christian martyr, was one of those in charge of the poor and the needy, one of the early deacons of the church. He is outstanding for his forgiveness of his enemies, of course, and he's the patron of deacons, stonemasons, and bricklayers. Now, I love the way the church gives these um, allocations of patronages because, of course, poor old St. Stephen was stoned to death. That's right. So hence the reason why he's the patron saint of stonemasons and bricklayers. Uh, his martyrdom is accounted for, of course, in Acts of the Apostles. And, of course, it is in Acts, it is in the martyrdom of St. Stephen that we are first introduced to Saul of Tarsus, who, of course, becomes St. Paul, because uh, he held the cloaks of those who were stoning uh, St. Stephen. Then on Thursday, we have one of my own particular feast days in the year. It is the feast day of St. John the Apostle and the Evangelist. John was one of the few of, I think he was the only apostle that did not undergo martyrdom. Um, All the rest were dead, but John uh, died on the island of Patmos, uh, which is one of the Greek islands, according to tradition. He was the brother of James, son of Zebedee, the disciple whom Jesus described as loving, <coughs> love, uh, whom Jesus loved. Uh, tradition generally says that he was probably the youngest of the disciples. Um, and it's, he's, sorry, he's traditionally said to have died in Ephesus, I beg your pardon. He saw, or sorry, he lived on the island of Patmos, where he wrote the book of the Apocalypse. And that, that is according to tradition. He is also, of course, the author of the fourth gospel and three letters of the, of the New Testament are ascribed to him. And he is said to have died in old age. And the, one of the last things he is supposed to have said is love one another. <clears throat> so that's St. John the Evangelist on Thursday the 27th. On Friday the 28th, we have the feast day of the Holy Innocents. Now, Holy Innocents, of course refers to the martyrdom of the, of the children of Bethlehem under the age of two on the orders of King Herod uh, after the birth of Christ because of Christ, Herod was trying to secure his throne. Um, it is accounted for us in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2, 
And it is um, also part of what drove the Holy Family as refugees into Egypt because Joseph took the the Holy Family into Egypt while Herod was Tetrarch of Galilee. Of course, one of the things that is said (coughs) for the Holy Innocence, which has grown over the last number of years, while it's not official, is that Holy Innocence is often held as a feast day for those children who have died young. So those that have died um, a stillbirth, those that have the early deaths for children, but it also includes those who have died due to abortion. Um, so that's the Feast of the Holy Innocents on the 28th of December. Then on the 29th of December, we have uh, one of the more famous feast, uh, saints of the church in terms of martyrdom, and that, of course, is St. Thomas Becket. English saint died in 1170 as the Archbishop of Canterbury, a man very much who was part of the, um, the clique around the king at the time until he was ordained, actually, as deacon, priest, and then appointed to Canterbury, where he then um, beca- t- took seriously the office that he was given and it's the independence of the church <clears throat> it's an interesting one thomas beckett and thomas more are both two interesting english saints in the current context of the role of faith in the public square and the independence of faith but also those of us who are practicing being able to express our opinions <clears throat> in what is supposed to be a pluralist and open society thomas beckett was was uh, martyred on the orders of king henry the second of course there is that famous quote who will rid me of this turbulent priest and he was killed by four knights of the king for which he subsequently king henry that is subsequently did penance uh, going on his knees part of the way to Canterbury and undergoing a, uh, a slight whipping by Benedictine monks of the abbey that was there at the time. So that's what we celebrate on the 29th. Thomas Becket's shrine was one of the, um, the bigger shrines in the UK, in England before the dissolution of the monasteries. And if you go to Canterbury today, the, the place where he was martyred, martyred even, is still marked uh, within the confines of the cathedral that is there. Uh, it's the, the shrine to Thomas Becket was destroyed and his, his relics were dispersed. Although, John, it was interesting during the year I read that they returned from Hungary the one of the clothes that he was wearing at the time. And no one's quite sure actually how it got there, but it seems to be genuinely accepted that it is, um, uh, it was uh, one of the vestments that he was wearing at the time that he was uh, martyred in, 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 in Canterbury. So that's <coughs> Saturday, and of course it is Saturday. Then next Sunday, of course, is the 30th, and it is the Feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary and Joseph. And that will bring us up to um, year end. Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for that. So now at this part of the programme, just before we go for our first bit, uh, second piece of music actually this morning, Shane, you might, uh, sorry, excuse me, and even you might share this spiritual communion prayer that we pray for those who can't receive Jesus at Mass this morning. I would love to. Thanks, Anne. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul since I now cannot receive you sacramentally. Come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that. Eh? So now we go for, as again, a second piece of music. And this one, again, is by Dan Moen. And this one is entitled, My Christmas Prayer. So let's say this. Light 
Gates of the city shine bright, red and green. But sometimes the season is not what it seems. In heartache or joy, let me rest in your care. Be near me, Lord Jesus. This is my Christmas prayer. Wise men brought treasures. The shepherds bowed down. Angels were singing their glorious sound. I have no great riches, no gift to impart. What can I give you, Lord? I will give my heart. Close by me forever, I pray. Through the storm, through the night, hold me close, be my light, show the way. Bless all of your children. We need your embrace. We hunger. For mercy and long for your grace, our grateful devotion is all we can bring. We praise you, we bless you, Jesus, our Savior and King. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to stay. Close by me forever, I pray. Through the storm, through the night, hold me close, be my light. Oh. Through the storm. The night, hold me close, be my light, and show the way. Sacred space. So, welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley. Still joined in studio here by Shane, Lorraine, and Anne. Now, with this part of the program, we're going to play a Christmas reflection. Um, by sis, uh, good friend sister Louise O'Rourke and after that she's she, she's decided that she'd like to have uh, a beautiful piece of music by uh, Michael Card played which is entitled The Joseph Song but in the meantime let's hear what sister Louise has to tell us about her thoughts on Christmas There's an American composer called Michael Card who wrote a song entitled How Can It Be and it's come to be known also as Joseph's Song because in it, the composer imagines what's going through the heart and the mind of St. Joseph as he looks down at the child Jesus in his arms. As we too look into the crib this Christmas, and when we gaze upon the manger scene, we may just even, without realising, glance over St. Joseph. 
started this year, we're invited to see St. Joseph as a strong and courageous man, a working man. And in his heart, we see this great tenderness, which isn't a virtue of the weak, but rather a sign of strength of spirit. In him, we see this capacity for concern, for compassion, for genuine openness to others, and above all, for love. Though he didn't say much in the Gospels, there's strength in the silence of St. Joseph. Joseph Ratzinger, whom we know as Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, spoke some inspiring words concerning the silence of his namesake, Joseph, and he says, His is a silence permeated by contemplation of the mystery of God, in an attitude of total availability to his divine wishes. Let us allow ourselves to be infected by the silence of St. Joseph, for we have much need of it in a world which is often too busy, which does not encourage reflection and listening to the voice of God. So as we listen to the fruitful silence of St. Joseph, we reflect. The silence of St. Joseph is a seed which bears the fruit of holiness and courage. The silence of St. Joseph draws the world to a cave in Bethlehem, where God is born as man, and man is born again. The silence of St. Joseph draws us to our knees in worship of the Word made flesh, in whose presence all our words lose their meaning. The silence of St. Joseph directs a symphony of silence, which stills the universe in adoration of the one in the fullness of life will be fulfilled. There's a beautiful line in the song that we'll hear that has St. Joseph saying, Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? So as we prepare in our own simplicity and everydayness during these last hours of Advent, let us carve out some precious time of prayer to join our silence to the silence of Joseph and behold the mystery of the Word made flesh, an infant king, and simply ponder, how can it be? Show me where I fit into this plan of yours. 
Son of God. Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? He looks so small, his face and hands so fair. And when he cries, the sun just seems to disappear. And when he laughs, it shines again. Show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? How could it be? This baby in my arms, sleeping now, so peacefully. The Son of God, the angel said. Now, that was, of course, uh, Sister Louisa and her, her Christmas reflection for us, and that was followed by the beautiful Joseph song, uh, sung by Michael Card. It does remind me at this time of the year for us gentlemen to try to be a little bit more humble than what we usually are. Uh, there, there's, there's Joseph there, um, obviously wondering what it was all about, and, and, and you can imagine... Within the whole Christmas story, Joseph's thoughts there at the beginning with the Annunciation and so on and so forth. But it ended up that the Lord spoke to Joseph through through the angel. And I suppose like us all this time of the year, we need to maybe shut up, stay quiet and let the, let the angel of God speak to us and give us a little bit of encouragement. Talking about encouragement, one of your favourite guys that you listen to from time to time, Shane, is, is um, Bishop Robert Barron. Yeah, and now, yeah, okay, I could go with favourites. I could go with favourites, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, Robert Barron is um, he's a priest. Well, actually, he's now an auxiliary bishop of, of the LA Archdiocese. And he runs um, an online ministry called Word on Fire, which was, was originally set up in Chicago with the support of Cardinal George. And he has continued that work after he was transferred as, our, as an auxiliary archbishop to Los Angeles. And the one thing about it is Robert Barron, Bishop Barron, 
is a man that engages very much with um, the culture as it stands. I, some people have described him as the the, the modern-day equivalent of Fulton Sheen, which would probably get, allow a lot of our listeners to be able to get their heads around what this, this guy does. And Word on Fire very much engages online in terms of YouTube, in terms of podcasts, in terms of um, you know Snapchat and other other social media. And like this is the type of guy that was invited in both to Facebook and to YouTube to discuss how to deal with issues of faith online and to deal with them in a respectful manner. You know, he's very much a man who takes the debate to people uh, but does it in a very respectful way, which is not something you come across very often. And in the US, he's quite a high, large following. So, but anyway, bringing it back to this morning. So, uh, we, we sometimes use a couple of, we use his, his videos on YouTube and so forth on the blog from time to time. So this morning we said we would use one of his videos, which is a reflection on Christmas and the Nativity and Advent. It's only a short one, um, for this morning's program and just give people a chance to listen and just to listen to this short reflection. Okay, so this is Bishop Robert Barham reflecting on Christmas. I think the greatest problem that we face at Christmas time is the domestication of Christmas. When Christmas is seen primarily as a nice little sentimental uh, family day, something essential is being missed. Christmas is, I would argue, a subversive feast from a Christian standpoint. Look in the Gospel of Luke the great Christmas story. We read it at Mass and at Sunday services all over the Christian world. That's a very confrontational story. It begins by invoking Quirinius, who's the Roman governor of Syria, and Caesar Augustus, who's the king of the world. And Caesar's doing, Luke tells us, a paradigmatically powerful thing. He's declaring a census of the whole world. Well, that's what powerful people did. You take a census of of your kingdom That means you can tax your people more effectively, you can draft them, you can control them. This is a very worldly, lordly figure. But then Luke is telling us, I'm not interested primarily in him. He's an old king, I know their game. I'm interested in this weird new baby king that's arriving. And now the story of Jesus unfolds. He's being born, not in a palace, that's where Caesar Augustus would be. But Luke is saying the real king, the new king, he's not even room for him in the, in the Bethlehem uh, hostel. He has to be born in a cave. More to it, they wrap him up in swaddling clothes and they lay him in a manger. Who was the freest person in the ancient world? It would have been Caesar Augustus. He could do whatever he wanted. He was the rangiest figure. His will, he could speak at Rome, it would be done in Syria, it would be done in Spain. He was the freest figure. But the real king, Luke is saying, is actually wrapped up in swaddling clothes. He's a little tiny baby, too weak even to raise his head. And more to it, he's wrapped up in in these swaddling bands. What's the point? The true king is not the one who has rangy, worldly power. The true king is the one who is bound to the other in love, who becomes weak for the sake of the other. Not the one who's well-protected in his palazzo, in his palace, but the one who's willing to become vulnerable in love. He's placed in a manger, which is the the spot where the animals come to eat. Who is the best-fed figure in the ancient world? It would be Caesar Augustus. In his palace on the Palatine Hill, he could snap his fingers, get whatever he wanted. He was the best-fed figure in the ancient world. But the real king, the real emperor, Luke is saying, is not the one who feeds himself. 
but the one who's placed in the manger so that he becomes food for the world. That's meant to be an anticipation of Jesus' whole life, climaxing at the Last Supper when he says, this is my body, this is my blood. I'm food and drink for you. That's the real life. That's the good life. I love the detail in Luke's account of the angels. Again, we get kind of sentimental about the angels. We shouldn't. In the Bible, the typical response to an angel is fear. It's not, oh, isn't that nice? The typical response to an angel is fear. People are overwhelmed because this supernatural reality is broken into the world. Angels always say, don't be afraid. Implication, they are afraid, right? So an angel appears to the shepherds, and they are afraid. The angel says, I've got good news for you. He's the first evangelist. I'm announcing this good news, that this figure's been born, who is Christ the Lord. He's the anointed one. That's code language. The anointed one was the king. A new king has been born. Not that old one in Rome. Not not a worldly king, but this new one, who's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. That's the real king. Go visit him. Then, Luke says, there appeared with this angel a whole host of angels. The word in Greek there is stratias. Our word uh, strategy and strategic comes from that. Stratias means an army. An army. So we say a host. That's what it means. Who had the biggest army in the ancient world? Caesar Augustus. That's why he was most powerful. That's why he was the rangiest. That's why he was the best protected. He had the biggest army in the ancient world. But his army, Luke is saying, is nothing compared to the army of this baby. The baby's got the real army, the army of angels. And they have as their weapons the weapons of heaven, which are not the pathetic worldly weapons, but of love and compassion and forgiveness and nonviolence, which is the power that makes the universe. And this baby king is in charge of that angelic army. You see what I'm saying here? Christmas is a subversive feast. That story is a subversive story. What it's saying is, which army are you with? Which king do you follow? Are you going to follow Caesar or all his thousands of successors down to the present day? And most of us sinners will say in different ways, yeah, I'm with him. I want to be well protected. I want to be powerful. I want to be rangy. I want to live in a palace. I want to have protection. That's the good life. Luke is saying, okay, that's the choice. But the choice that God wants you to make is to march with that now, baby king and his angelic army, which means not the way of worldly success, worldly power, worldly comfort. It's the way of love and compassion and nonviolence. Which army are you with? That's the question of Christmas. And that's why the message of Christmas finally is a deeply subversive one. Don't domesticate it. Don't turn it into a nice, nice little family feast. Now, it is that. I'm all in favor of families gathering on Christmas. Nothing in the world wrong with it. But we shouldn't reduce it to that. We should allow its spiritual power to come shining through. Okay, so now at this part of the program, we'll play a second piece of music. and uh, Sorry, a third bit of music at this particular stage, and let's go out to end of part three. And this one is entitled, Mary Did You Know? And this is by Clay Aiken. So listen to this.
And that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? And this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, he kissed the face of God, oh Mary, did you know? Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, still joined in the studio here by Shane, Lorraine and Anne. And at this part of the program, we, as usual, we, play, we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. So for today, the fourth Sunday in Advent, we've got Anne to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, humbly, attentively. May we not despise this word, receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. But, we, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening, 
We ask this father in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, Lorraine, you might be able to read the Gospel for today, please, the fourth Sunday in Advent. Thank you. And this morning's Gospel is from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 44. Mary set out and went as quickly as she could to a town in the hill country of Judah. She went to Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. Now as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave a loud cry and said, Of all women you are the most blessed, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why should I be honoured with a visit from the mother of my Lord? For the moment your greeting reached my ears, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Yes, blessed is she who believed that the promise made her by the Lord would be fulfilled. Thanks for that, Lorraine. So, Shane, any few thoughts you'd like to share with us in the Gospel this morning, please? I always wonder, Lorraine, what the response would be if I turned around to John and said, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, John. Uh, to this morning's Gospel, um, we come to the fourth Gospel of Advent. And, of course, the account this morning is the visitation. And it's interesting, um, I wasn't able to get to the the final, the third and final talk of the Advent in the Abbey series um, in Glenstall. But there, uh, the title of it was uh, Divine Hospitality Given and Received. And I thought it, it I was I was really curious as to what it was going to be about. But it, it, it that is, I suppose, sums up the, the visitation because... What we have here is Mary traveling to to the assistance of her kinswoman Elizabeth. That's that's how it's portrayed for us in by Luke. But I suppose we should also I suppose read into that as we have a young woman who is suddenly faced, if you like, with a crisis pregnancy, and she is going to seek the counsel of an older relative who probably has some idea of what she's going through. Um, you know, and Mary sent off and went quickly as she could to that town in the hill country of Judah. And um, for anyone that's been to the Holy Land, as a, particularly on pilgrimage, you are generally taken to Ain Karim, which is the town which uh, tradition mm. is holds as the, the the town of of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and to to the that wonderful church there where the Magnificat is 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 on the wall on the interior of the church, and where you have the Benedictus, the prayer of Zechariah, is on the wall exterior to it. And the gospel, I suppose, talks to us about, I suppose, the response that we have um, to encounters with the divine. That, for me, is what it struck at this morning, particularly from an Advent point of view. And that ability for us to be able to recognize the moments where we are encountering those gospel moments, those divine moments in our daily lives. Because Advent is about preparation for the coming of Christ but it's not just literally tied up with the crib and it's just not tied up with mass and it's not just tied up with things like that visitation is about us journeying out to meet the other and to recognize that each and every one of us is made in the image and likeness of God so we're journeying with each other to meet the divine and Elizabeth's response to that is, is you know, when she when she meets Mary, you know, uh, blessed, uh, um, blessed uh, uh, of all women, you are the most blessed, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mm. Why should I be honoured with a visit from the mother of my Lord? 
<laughs> I was just thinking about it. If we see someone pulling into the yard and they're about to come visit and, and they haven't rang you to tell you that you're coming, I doubt the expression that crosses your mind are, <laughs> blessed am I that you have come to visit me. <laughs> I would say there'd be other things going through our minds at that, t- at that time or that moment. But I suppose... In the context of Advent, of course, the other the reason why this gospel is given to us, of course, is it's a continuation of reflection on the persons associated with Advent. So we've had a, we've had um, John the Baptist for two weeks. Now we encounter Mary, but also it's a continuation of John the Baptist, and it is that bridging gospel between the Old and the New Testament, because we have here the the people who waited, Elizabeth and Zachariah are the exemplars of the Old Testament, the the people of the Old Testament who waited for the Messiah. John the Baptist is his herald, who is waiting for the Messiah, but who begins his ministry in the womb because he leaps for joy at the at hearing Mary's voice and recognizes that even so so small in an infant and infinitely tiny, you know, that Jesus is already there because he's in his mother's womb. And so we have the merging, if you like, of the old and the new testament that is happening uh, in this part of Luke's gospel. And it's you know, it's 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 something for us to think about this last Sunday of Advent, Elizabeth's joy on encountering Mary and her good news and recognising that, you know, the wait was almost over. Um, again, we have in Luke's Gospel, after the birth of Christ, you have An- you have um, Simeon and Anna in the, old te- in, the, in, the, in the temple when Jesus is presented. And again, you know, mine eyes have seen the glory. I can, I, you know, Simeon's response is, you know, Master, I can, I can leave now because you have fulfilled your promise and I have seen the Savior of Israel. So we have that lovely bridging. And I suppose it's a reminder to us that's what we're waiting for. There's two days to go to the big celebration. And it's not too late to begin that waiting for each and every one of us as we approach this Christmas where we are asked to, as well as celebrate the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, we're also asked to welcome him and let him into our hearts this Christmas time. Shane, thank you very much, Nate, for that. Um, so at this stage, I just might offer a small little bit of a reflection for myself. Maybe Lorraine might just offer one directly after me. But uh, again, Shane, you, you quoted that uh, that verse, uh, of all women you are most blessed, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And that word got me, uh, spoke to me this morning, blessed. And the thought that came to me was how blessed we all are to have been given the gift of faith, uh, as many was, and as Elizabeth was, given the gift of faith by our Lord through our parents and through our teachers, all through our lives. And I thought this struck me this morning, and I read uh, Michael Vertai's little reflection that he gave us for this particular Sunday, and I think it's very pertinent, and really it's maybe it's a prayer of thanks to all mothers. And he says, Lord, we thank you for the mothers in our country who had to struggle so hard to bring up their children well, in spite of great odds, have managed their homes with dignity, have kept them going have what kept them going was a faith like Mary's, the deep belief that you'd planted certain convictions within them, and that these would be vindicated. We have been blessed by having them among us, and many great people have been born as the fruits of their wombs. And I think it sums it up for us already that blessed was Mary, 
who was receiving the gift that she had of, of Jesus being born, but also the rest of us also have that great gift of Jesus being born within our own hearts, and that's why we played that first bit of music this morning. Lorraine, a final thought you might want to give us in this particular gospel? I am... Um I'm fascinated by the fact that it was an unborn child that first recognised the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary. But what I think strikes me most this morning is silence. We we spoke this morning, a sister Louise gave a beautiful reflection on the silent man of the gospel, St. Joseph. And today, the two characters, if you like, that don't speak in today's gospel, but are very much present in the gospel, are Jesus in the womb of Mary and John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth. And that sense of that, in that moment of silence between the two babes in the womb, there was that moment of acknowledgement of the divine and joy as the response. And today is the 23rd, and I suppose most of us are up to high dough that are, you know, involved in, in family celebrations or even liturgically speaking, if you're involved in your parish, you might be involved in choirs or Eucharistic ministry or readers or whatever it is, or maybe you're doing the flowers for the church or the cleaning or whatever it might be. So we're very, very busy at the moment. But as Shane said, it's not too late. Today is Sunday, the 23rd, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Can we take a little moment of silence today to recognise the divine, either by spending some time before the Blessed Sacrament or in church, as we would love to do today, perhaps. Or, as Shane said, in recognising the divine in the person who comes to visit you today or tomorrow. And as Shane also said, like, OK, you mightn't really want to welcome them into the house. <laughs> Never mind, like, you're stuffing the turkey or whatever and somebody decides to call. And God loves them. But you know they're not going to be here for a short call. I mean, you might be kicking them out at one o'clock in the morning. Mm. But can we take that moment to recognise the divine in that person as well? And that's just my little thought for today. I think the other thought that I'd just like to throw out here, though, is, you know, uh, Christmas time as Mary um, made a kid and will reflect with us actually tomorrow morning. She's already given us the reflection. You know, that this uh, this year was the, was the year of families. This time is a year of families. But especially for us grandparents and parents, maybe to try to, well, certainly, to bring our children to the crib in the church at some stage over the Christmas period. Let them wander in that magic and that story that we can let them know in our own little way. Of the baby Jesus coming into our hearts, the baby Jesus coming down from God, from holy God, as children say, coming down to join us in this earth, to be with us with all our struggles and, and, and joys of this earth. But, but today, or sorry, Christmas Day, the important thing is that the children come to the crib, see what it's all about. It's not all about glitter and lights and all the rest of it, but just spend a few little moments of magic maybe in there at the crib telling them the story. Your own thoughts now, as, as, as we approach two days before Christmas? Um, Shane, we're all ready for the Christmas programme, of course. Um, they'll be going out again, 9 a.m., to 11am on Christmas morning and 11pm to 1am in the morning. Yeah, um, so it's, it's as we as you said, Joe, the Christmas program is done. And of course, in effect, for us, this is the um, the last recording that we're going to do for uh, three or four weeks. Just, 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 <laughs> just, 
just to let people know, myself and Shannon Lorraine, for the last uh, maybe two weeks, we've been doing about three or four programs. We've been doing two, two programs a week. And I remember one particular sta- stage, Shannon, a few weeks ago, we were recording the 30th of December. People mm-hmm. would, mightn't realise this. Yeah. And poor O'Shane was uh, trying to do the Saints, and he couldn't make up his mind whether it's December or January. <laughs> <laughs> the Saints but listen, we thank the Lord we enjoyed it all. Uh-huh. A special thanks to all those people. I think there was nine or ten of them actually who actually joined us and at some stage gave us reflections in their thoughts on Christmas Day. Thanks a lot to all of you who've done that. I suppose on my own behalf, thanks to Shane and Lorraine um, and Anne for putting up with me for the last year. Uh, it, it, it's great to be able to be afforded this this time. We're blessed, really, to, to have this time afforded us by West Limit 102. And for those people out there who invite us into their homes every 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 Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, or maybe on, on Shane's blog or, or whatever other platform he has on these days, he seems to be moving us around. But I think it's all about trying to share this good news, the good news that Jesus is coming for all of us. So, lads, enjoy the Christmas. I know we've already recorded the Christmas programme. Will mm-hmm. you be doing something quiet over the Christmas shine? Will it be? I'll be catching up in my sleep. <laughs> and Lorraine, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you, especially to our listeners, uh, without whom this program would not be going out. Maybe. So we want to wish you, especially those of you who might be lonely this Christmas, to remember that you are in our hearts and are in our prayers. And as a Christian, you are never alone. And and wishing all our listeners a very happy Christmas. And a peaceful one and a happy new year. So at this part of the programme now, we might go for our final piece of music. And this is by um, Don Moan as he sings A Season of Hope. So please please join us again at 9am on Christmas morning for our Christmas morning special for two hours. In the meantime, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. told us long ago a child will come to bring us hope a star lit up the night to show the way oh, oh. for all the wise men seeking truth the child came as living a season of hope, a season of joy, and it all goes back to a baby boy. When God reached down and changed the world forever, we can reach out, we can be Many hungry hearts 
season of hope, a season of joy, and it all goes back to a baby boy. When God reached down and changed the world forever, we can reach out, we can be. Sacred Space.